It's the Eggship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm the founder of the Eggship, a credentialed Utah State outlet covering, I guess it's just a credentialed outlet covering Utah State football, basketball, including men's and women's, for $6 a month or $10 a month, depending on your proclivities. I have advertised this on pretty much every podcast. I think you probably know about it by now. If not, just go to www.theagship.com and uh, click around a little bit. If you want to sign up, you can click on the sign up and it'll tell you more there than I could here in greater detail if you are interested in reading more about the game that I'm about to talk about. Once again, the website is www.theagship.com. If you go there, you can get the cover story, you can get the game notebook, you can get the photos. Those are free for everybody, but... You can get the cover story, you can get the game notebook, and uh, as you listen to this on Monday morning, if you wait around a little bit later today on Monday, you can get the film review. That's only for $10 tier uh, flagship tier subscribers. Flagship tier subscribers are also going to get the monthly Q&A podcast here within the next couple of days. I sent out a call for questions for that today. I'm recording on Sunday evening. Uh, If you have a question there, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, that show requires questions. It does not work without questions. And so if you have any questions, go over to the post that was sent to your email address on a Sunday that says a call for premium Q&A questions, I think is what it's called, uh, and send a question in. It's much appreciated. It can be about anything Utah State. Uh, I'm happy to talk about it. It doesn't even really have to be in a question form, just topics, things like that. A lot of basketball stuff. Excited about that. Excited to talk about basketball. But today... Got some football to talk about. Um, took a few days to sort of let this one gestate. Um, had kind of a non-sports-related weekend in general. Just took a took a couple days and visited with some family, and uh, just just wanted to wanted to let this one sit for a couple days. Uh, went went through and rewatched the game on Sunday morning, uh, start to finish. Clipped some of it for the film review, which is going to be about how the offense looked and how the offense will probably work with Cooper Lega at quarterback, like meaning what you can expect to see, how it changes, uh, the play calling, the play design, the creativity, the flow of the game, all that stuff. Um, how it changed their, their approach against BYU and then how it might alter the offense moving forward. If that's something that interests you again, flagship tier is the $10 a month tier that will get you the film post. So Having rewatched the game, having watched the game live in Provo, um, I've got thoughts. I've got, I've got, I've got several thoughts. I think that this is a game that provided a lot to think about for Utah State um, as it moves forward here into the back half of the season, sitting now at at one and four. Um, I can't imagine that coming into the season, many expected Utah State would be one and four. At this point, heading into the Air Force game, um, now a four-game losing streak, one that has, I think, seen Utah State perform better in each consecutive game. Maybe not true of the Weber State game, but uh, since then, it has been better against UNLV and then better than that against BYU. I think that the BYU game was pretty firmly Utah State's best of the season. Final score, of course, was 38-26. Um, this sort of an unbalanced performance from Utah State. First half was really, really, really great. Best half of the season, they looked every bit as good as as BYU, and and even honestly a lot better. Um, it was a pretty a dom- it was a pretty dominant first half, and and 
to go into halftime with the game tied at 17 was, I think, a, probably a disappointment, honestly, for Utah State with how well they played. I think they deserved more than they got out of that first half. But then second half, BYU kind of leaned on the game a little bit, shows off the depth of talent and the size and uh, romps from it in the second half to a, a comfortable win. Um but now as Utah State sits at 1-4, and four, staring down the last seven games of the season, I think it is worth, before talking about this game, looking at those last seven, just briefly, talking about the teams who are included in them, where the games are, and sort of where this season stands as Utah State sits, as I said, at 1-4, and four, but with only one conference game played, a 10-point loss to UNLV. Um, before I do that, even I'm going to mention just real quick in the mountain West right now, there are three teams with at least one win and no losses. There are two teams who have not played three teams rather who have not played any conference games. Everybody else has at least a loss. Um, the teams without a conference loss, two of them are in the West UNLV two and in the conference, San Jose state one and in the conference. And also Fresno State and Hawaii have not played anybody. Nevada is 0-1, and San Diego State is 0-1, having lost to Boise State this weekend in the Mountain, which is the one that we care about. Boise State's 2-0. Wyoming is 1-1. Air Force is 1-1. Colorado State is 0-0. Utah State's 0-1, and New Mexico is 0-2. So all of that goes to say this before I talk about the schedule a little bit. Utah State is completely in control of its own destiny. I, I have said it on Twitter, I think I said it in the cover story, and also maybe in the notebook, but Utah State is completely in control of its own destiny. Its loss was to a West team, not a Mountain team, meaning that it will get the chance against every single one of these teams that I just named in the Mountain, and if it wins all of those games, it will win the Mountain. Um, That is, it was always going to be the case heading into this week, and Getting only one win out of the five games that preceded it is certainly not what Utah State wanted, but ultimately, four of those games do not matter for the the sake of what Utah State wants out of this season. The goal for Utah State is to win the Mountain West. That is going to be the goal every year under Blake Anderson. That is going to be the only goal. Winning non-conference games would be great. They would love to have beaten Weber State. They would certainly have loved to have beaten BYU. But... And, and to lose those games, specifically the former, is tremendously frustrating. You do not want to lose to Weber State. You do not want to lose two in con- or in-state non-conference games. Those games still matter as far as they are football games. They are a very finite resource in this sport. You get 12 of them a year. You are guaranteed 12 games. Utah State's played five of them and lost four games. That is frustrating for, for Utah State. It's frustrating for Utah State fans. You don't get very many of these a year, and for four of the first five to be frustrating in some way, to not provide the result that you're looking for, is not ideal. Obviously, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm saying anything new here, um, but I think it's important to note as we turn the corner here into October, and, and Utah State prepares to play its first game in the month of October after a really, really nightmarish September. Um, everything that this team wants, everything that this team came into the season looking for is still very much ahead of them. It is still very much in front of them. It is still absolutely a possibility, all of it, all of it. So I say that then to jump into the schedule here and to really try and drive this point home, okay? Air Force at home, Saturday, October 8th. 
if you are in Logan, if you are near Logan, if you are a a person who has the means, I would I would recommend going to this game. I would recommend it. I think that it is going to be quite the environment. I think that Utah State needs it to be quite the environment. Air Force is coming into the season. They were my favorite in the Mountain. Um, I know that they have lost to Wyoming. I still think of them as the favorite in the Mountain. I think they're the best team in the Mountain. Um, I'll talk about the rest of the teams in the Mountain as we break down the rest of this uh, this schedule, but. First up is Air Force. I think it's the toughest test remaining. I think that if you get over this hurdle, if you're Utah State, you could very well win every game left on the schedule. This is the hardest one, and it's at home. It's at home, and that's quite a bit better than having it be on the road, at least. And this is a team they did beat on the road last year, but I think Air Force has improved, and Utah State obviously has done the opposite. Um in the span of the off season into this season, as they stand currently, these are not the teams that they were last year. But that game is not impossible. I'm gonna say it's not impossible. After what Utah State did against BYU, after the performance that it put up, I think it is absolutely reasonable to think that Utah State could be competitive in that game, if not outright win it. I, I, I do not. I do not think it's impossible at all. So. There's that one, and it's on the road at Colorado State. I'm not going to spend very long on this one. Colorado State might be the worst team in college football. It is a disaster. Terrible. Terrible in all parts of football. Does not play football. Not a functioning program. I don't think they're really even worth thinking about here. Wyoming on the road. That's tricky. That's tricky. I don't think Wyoming is especially good, but I never really think Wyoming is especially good, and they still go 7-5 and five every year. Um, they are Wyoming. They are, as they have been, some familiarity there, obviously, at quarterback with Andrew Peasley and also with Levi Williams for, for Utah State. Not the starter, but he's on the team. Um, familiarity between these teams, rivalry game of sorts, it becoming more of one every year, it seems like. Um, yeah, I'll say it's a rivalry, whatever. Who's going to stop me? Um, it's a big one. That's going to be a big one as well. That's that's the, uh, the, the the road game that I would be most worried about at this point, just because that's a hard place to play. It's a hard team to play against. It'll probably be cold. That's another obstacle. It's another hurdle. Then New Mexico at home after a bye week, I don't think is going to be a whole lot of problem. I, I don't think it's going to be big trouble there. I don't think New Mexico is especially good at this point. Um, they are developing, they are getting better, but I don't think that they're to the point where they could be springing an upset. Of course, all of this is very tentative because there's a chance that Utah State has not improved in the way that we thought it has and that it continues to, I mean, this team did lose to Weber State. If the team who lost to Weber State shows up, then they could lose any one of these games. But if we're assuming continued improvement like we have seen over the last two weeks, I think that these games that I have rattled off are all winnable. Go on the road at Hawaii absolutely winnable. If Colorado State's not the worst team, then Hawaii might be. Um, San Jose State at home is tricky. I think San Jose State is probably good. I think San Jose State is probably good. And then at Boise State to end the season, Boise State currently sits atop the mountain division. Um, Boise State also just fired its offensive coordinator after losing to UTEP um, and lost its quarterback as a result. I'm going to be honest. I don't think all that highly of Boise this year. I think that Boise is kind of sitting on maybe some inflated on a on an inflated record here and and benefited from San Diego State being really really not good. Um, and I'm not sure that they're going to have to pay for it for a little bit because they get Fresno State without Jake Hayner this upcoming weekend at home. But then they go have to go to Air Force. 
And then on November 5th, they have to host BYU. And then they have to go to Wyoming on November 19th. And then they will host Utah State. I think that there is a pretty decent chance that Boise State will have several conference losses by the time that game comes around. And that's that would be ideal. If you can get that as Utah State, that would be ideal. But my point is, season is still very, very, very much alive. Utah State's are still very, very much alive. And given what we saw on Thursday, I think there are reasons for optimism here. Real serious reasons for optimism, not just me grasping at straws and um, you know, talking about, well, if they do this, if they do this, then they could... I think that they did some of it. I think that they did some of the stuff that we needed to see, some of the stuff that we talked about on this podcast, that we've talked about in the film reviews, um, that we've talked about in the cover stories, that we've talked about all season. I think we saw some of it. Not all of it, but some of it. First things first, the energy was once again very good for Utah State. They did not come out flat. They actually did kind of the opposite of that. They they came out extremely well, and then in the second half kind of came out flat, but I'm going to get to that. But energy was good. They cut down on the penalties. Not a ton. It was eight, down from 11 from three straight games, down to eight. But at one personal foul, I think, or one unsportsmanlike conduct, and it was on Blake Anderson, and it didn't matter as they hit the kick anyway. It was, it was right before a field goal that uh, Connor Coles then knocked through with, with no trouble. Uh, great kick. Um, but other than that, there was a targeting that I think was kind of probably not targeting. There was a couple roughing the passers. I think there was at least one roughing the passer. Um, other than that, I think they did a really good job in a really, really hard environment to do a good job. They did not lose their cool. They were not, players were not playing out of control. Guys were not, uh, panicking. They were not freaking out they were not getting huge frustration penalties or anything like that um i thought that they stayed locked in really really well um some guys were put in situations where they probably could have fallen into a an unsportsmanlike conduct and they removed themselves from the situations really really well blake anderson mentioned byron vaughn specifically um i would agree i think that byron vaughn did a great job in this game he was in a very very tough spot after uh, being called for roughing the passer, uh, hitting Jaron Hall pretty low, somewhat low. Um, personally, I thought it was kind of ticky-tack. I don't really know what the big deal was, um, but he spent the rest of the game really hearing it from the crowd, uh, and I thought that he handled it about as well as you could possibly ask him to. He he kind of almost, he played into it, which he mentioned in the post game with a, a truly wonderful quote that I tweeted out. If you haven't seen it. Uh, at the Ag Ship on Twitter, you should check it out. It's it's a really really good quote. Um, but I thought that he did a great job, kind of playing into it and feeding off of the 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 booze and the crowd reaction without getting out of control, without getting frustrated, without you know doing anything that would hurt the team. And I think that the entire team did a really really great job of that. This was an environment, like I said, where it would have been really easy to lose your cool. I had kids in the stand taunting me, and I'm a journalist. I'm not even affiliated. <laughs> I'm just walking around, buddy. I just cover it. You don't need to. You don't need to do that. Um, kids, like kids, like eight-year-olds. Kids, they're doing a great job out there. <laughs> doing a great job with the with the family values in Provo. Really good. Um, it was mostly just a couple kids, but 
kids. Uh, and, and it is, it is an environment where absolutely you can lose your cool as a, as a visiting player, especially in a rivalry game like this. And Utah state never did, never did. And that's really impressive. It's really, really impressive. I almost thought that Blake Anderson understated it in the post-game press conference, how impressive that was and, and probably how happy he should have been with that. I think that that, I think they did a great job. Absolutely. I think they did a great job. This is a team in BYU that is pretty famous for their after-play activities, for their in-play activities, for being, I don't need to dance around it, for being dirty, for being a dirty team, for being a dirty crowd, Um, recent stories included. And there there was a lot of that from the field, a lot of it. Uh, you know, just after play antics, um, shoving, punching, things of that nature, uh, things that happen on a football field, but especially happen at BYU. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here. And, and Utah State handled it really, really well. This is a this was a very good test for their discipline, for for how much they picked up from that UNLV game, how much they learned in the in the couple days after, how much the the coaching staff was able to hammer that and have it get home. It did. It absolutely did, and that is a huge testament to to the the improvement of a week. Um, Utah State was easily, easily the more disciplined team in this game. Easily. BYU was frequently pretty out of control. I think probably should have been penalized more than it was. Ten penalties for 82 yards. Um, had some guys who were just not not handling the situations well. BYU did. Um and I thought Utah State did a great job with it. That's good news, that they could bring the energy, that they could be in, a, in an environment like that, a chippy environment, and keep their cool, keep a stiff lower lip, or stiff upper lip, keep everything contained, uh, translate it to football instead of after football activities, you know, when the play ends. That's great. They did a great job with it. And that is, I think, where it where it has to start when talking about this game is that they have continued to build on improvements that we have seen now for two weeks, that we saw improvements against UNLV, and we saw some of those improvements honed here against a much better team. BYU is much better than UNLV is, and much better than Utah State is, much more talented. And they handled it. They did a good job. They rolled with the punches. They stayed in the game. The second half, they were out. They were outmanned. They were overwhelmed. They were not competitive. But it was, I think, as positive a showing as you could have really reasonably hoped for. So that's the general. Offensively, I'll start with the with the offense. Cooper Legault gets the start at quarterback. He is your quarterback now, moving forward. Uh, Logan Bonner has broken uh, his his foot in almost the exact same way that he broke it last offseason, as Blake Anderson told it. He broke it on the last play or the penultimate play. It's not entirely clear uh, against UNLV. Um, his uh, career at Utah State is over. Um, there is some weight to that that I'm not sure has been fully absorbed yet uh he will get i'm sure the full 
ovation treatment, the full honoring treatment, either on senior day or even just against Air Force. I don't know. I'm going to ask uh, when I get the chance what the plan is for, for that and for him moving forward. He's still involved with the team. He was there on the sidelines on Thursday helping Cooper Lega. Uh, as Blake Anderson told it, he helped him prepare all week and will be can do, will be doing so as the season continues on. Um, Logan Bonner deserves uh, the the red carpet. He deserves the red carpet from from Utah State. He deserves the full treatment, uh, everything that you could that you could possibly ask for. Um, only Mountain West winning quarterback in the school's history um, did more in one season than than most did in their entire careers. Uh, in 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 Logan at quarterback, he absolutely deserves the the full the full treatment, and I have no doubt that he will get it. But Cooper Lagaz, the quarterback, he's the starting quarterback moving forward. He was the starting quarterback here. First start, first collegiate start. He he. People, I think, maybe forget that he didn't start the bowl game because um, he played so much of it. He basically did. He came into that game very very early, but he didn't technically start it. He 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 did not technically start that game. If PFF is correct, and I I believe it is. Um, I know he didn't start it, but uh, this is his first start. This is a tough first place to get your first start against a tough team to get your first start against. This is a defense that is willing to drop quite a few guys into coverage and wants to just wait on you to make mistakes. Playing in front of 60,000 who are very loudly opposed to you, um, I thought he handled it really well, all things considered. It was not a perfect performance. He had two interceptions. Um the I'm trying to remember the I guess the second one was in the fourth quarter he was playing hero ball but the first one was not good the first one was a pick six um that got deflected at the line the second one was also not good but and he had a fumble that you can't have in the red zone on a on a keeper um but I thought in general save for the big mistakes I thought he handled himself really well I thought he ran the ball pretty well no big plays but was able to get out was able to gut out some some pretty consistent yardage I liked the way that they schemed it up for him some of those running plays I thought that they were well designed I thought that they made sense I thought that they were cohesive within the offense um, I think that he does it is as strange as this is because it's not the design of the offense you compare it to what they've done in the past what anthony tucker has done in the past it is not a an offense for a running quarterback um they like to have a quarterback who is mobile but everybody likes that <laughs> it makes your receivers look better when you can have a guy scramble around for 10 seconds which is what happened on thursday um but for as as much as the offense is not really built for that they changed it real quick they changed it real quick and they had quite a few design runs in this scheme Quite a few option plays. Well, I use that word loosely. They were kind of option plays. They looked like option plays. I'll talk about that in the film review. They looked like option plays on TV, maybe. <laughs> when you look at them a little bit more, maybe maybe wasn't actually a read happening there because there was nobody to read. They weren't leaving anybody unblocked. Not an option play if you don't li- leave anybody unblocked. It's just a fake with more <laughs> steps, <laughs> which is fine. It's fine. It's uh, It works pretty well all the same but I thought that the way that they used him in the running game was pretty good in general uh there was obviously the the a couple stops uh, that BYU was able to generate that ended up being fairly controversial for 
dialing up a quarterback run there. I thought the idea behind any of them was solid. I get it. You want to have an extra blocker in the box without needing to sacrifice a wide receiver on the outside without needing to bring an extra guy actually in there to hint to the defense that you're going to do this. Um, And a really good way to do that is to run with the quarterback and use the running back as a blocker. And that's what they did. Um, It was just that BYU won the battle up front. Um, but I thought that the way that he ran was impressive. I thought that he did a good job of scrambling. There were some times where he probably did need to get the ball out a little bit quicker than he did, and instead he scrambled around and didn't really find anything. But there were several plays where he scrambled because the first reads, the initial reads weren't open. He scrambled and he found somebody. That's great. That he can do that is is very, very good. Very good news. Um, I was impressed with him. I, I don't know that he fundamentally fixes the offense or anything. I think that there are still things within the offense that are being worked on that I have seen improvement on creativity wise, play design wise. I saw improvement on it last week. I saw more improvement on it this week. Um, and, uh, you know, that is encouraging as well. I don't know that it was a Cooper Lega thing that they called more outbreaking short routes or hooks or things like that in the first half. I think that's more just that it worked last week. And so they started doing more of it, which they needed to do, um, or that they had more plays that were designed to put defenders in conflict and create openings. Um, I don't think that was a Cooper Lega specific thing, but having his, his legs helped the offense. Um, and I thought that he played fairly well. Uh, I think that he made some good throws. I think that he had some throws that he would certainly want back. Needs more arm on some of those deep balls. I don't know that he has it. We'll see. Uh, there were two or three deep balls where if he just throws the ball better, then it's a touchdown. Um, and that's frustrating if you're Utah State. But he made a lot of he made a lot of impressive throws. I think that he he ran the offense well. The offense had a better pace, had a better flow to it. Specifically in the first half, it looked great. In the first half, the offense was excellent. Um, on the running game, Calvin Tyler Jr. I thought looked pretty good. Robert Briggs again looked good. Um, but the the thing that really stood out to me was the design of the running game. And I talked about the passing game a little bit. It's kind of hard to expand on design on a pod, on a podcast, so I would just recommend the film review, but uh, the running design, the thing that stood out to me was creativity, was the use of pulling linemen, was the use of motion, was counter. There were counter plays, actual honest to god counter plays. Um the rushing attack playbook is expanding. And I don't know if that's a Cooper Lega specific thing. It could be because of what he brings with he, with his legs. But regardless, there were running plays in the offense for Lega this week. Not not I say for Lega for Lega at quarterback, not for him to run. Calvin Tyler running plays, Robert Briggs running plays, running plays for the running back in the playbook this week that had not been in it before. And I don't really know why that is because they are not dependent on a quarterback being mobile. I think that maybe it's unrelated to Laga being the quarterback that they had some of these added in there, but there were more of them regardless, and it doesn't really matter why. What matters is that they are there and that they were effective and they were good, and I would assume that they're going to stay in the offense. And that's great news. That is absolutely great news. It is what they needed. The Utah State rushing attack needed some diversity, needed some diversity of scheme, needed more pulling guards, needed more stuff, just more stuff. It, was not having, it did not have enough stuff. And in this game, I was impressed with the amount of stuff. I think that in the first half, they really, really took advantage 
of BYU's defense and of what BYU's defense does. I think they came in with a really good game plan. They had a good flow. They were taking what was given, but they were also creating opportunities. They were bunching receivers, and they were creating open targets on the first drive, on the second drive, early on in the game. They were creating nice running plays. They were doing this stuff, and then once the BYU defense adjusted, they started taking what was given to them. In the second quarter, you saw a lot of that. You saw them taking what was give, taking what was given, which is what I talked about on the preview. I thought they did it. I thought they did it really, really, really well. I was really impressed with the first half game plan. And the thing that happened in the second half was from watching the film review, or watching the film for the film review, and from listening to Blake Anderson talk after the game, the way that he described it was that BYU was dropping a lot of, had a lot of plays where they were just rushing three, dropping eight into coverage, putting up a light box, and obviously you do not want your your first career start quarterback to be throwing into eight-man coverage very often. Um, and when you see a light box, you should be able to run into it. Uh, at the time because I was watching from the field. Uh, I did not I did not know how much I agreed with that cuz I had not watched the game. Having watched the game now, yeah, he was right. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a very light box for the, pretty much the entire second half. There were times where it wasn't, but it was a light box. Um and uh, they were they were dropping 7 or 8 pretty consistently. And yeah, you do need to be able to run against that and ultimately what happened here, what caused this game to sort of spiral, not fully but to get out of hand and for BYU to win for for Utah State's offense to sort of sputter and not really be able to produce much in the second half was it's it's very simple it's a very very simple and it's not a play calling thing it's not a play design thing it's not a personnel thing so much as it is just uh Utah State wasn't winning up front wasn't winning blocks anymore guys were were not holding their blocks for long enough to running back for running backs to establish themselves there were not the big holes that there were in the first half. Guys were losing one-on-one blocks. Um, defense was pretty much sitting on it at that point because it knew that it could show a light box and then fill in later on when the running play got stuffed at the line and make a play, rally behind the, the line to make a play. Um, it knew that its defensive line could win with with three or four. And in the first half, that was not the case. I think Utah State had more energy in the first half and was just more physically ready to go, but it wears on you playing against a defensive line that's that big and that is just frankly better. It's just better, just more talented. It's better. You can really only hold those guys off for so long. Um, And ultimately, this is going to sound silly. This is going to sound like, you know, obviously, but ultimately Utah State lost this game because BYU is better, better, just deeper, better, more talented, faster, stronger, better. Um... Yeah, obviously, that's most football games, but it's not. It's not most football games. It sounds like it is, but it's not. Football games, you can, you can see games where just the more talented team wins, and it's never really a scheme thing. It's never really anything else, and we've seen those games this year. I think the Alabama game was absolutely that, but we, we've also seen games where you see all the time in college football, the more talented team does not always win. There can be issues that cause the more talented team to not be the more talented team, and there can be issues where a less talented team should have won and didn't, and this is not one of those. This is not one where Utah State 
just made too many mistakes and 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 took itself out of the game or whatever or you know the scheme wasn't there or the the play calling fell off or whatever i thought it was live i was wrong um what it was was just that byu was beating it straight up just one-on-one was beating it and utah state was doing a lot of the same stuff in the second half as it was in the first it just wasn't working because the ground game wasn't working because byu was winning one-on-one matchups and sometimes football is just going to be like that it uh it's not ideal you don't want to lose a game like that because you you know it's kind of helpless it's kind of a helpless feeling um but to lose a game like that to a more talented team straight up just the the depth of talent set in in the second half and they couldn't keep up is so much better so much better than to lose because you weren't prepared or because you made too many penalties you had too many mistakes you turned the ball over six times you you know didn't have the right game plan you didn't have enough plays in your playbook that were going to work it didn't it wasn't cohesive any number of things that we have seen from this team this season it was not that it was not that and that if we were talking about Utah State playing in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the Big 10 or the SEC or the ACC or uh, really any other conference except for the Mountain West, except for maybe the CUSA and the the MAC. Um, If we were talking about that, then that would be troubling because they would play a lot more teams that are like this, that are like BYU. If you had to play, you know, Ohio State and teams like that every week, be a problem. (laughs) Be a problem for Utah State, but they don't which is why this is good news. BYU is the best team on this schedule by a country mile, save for Alabama, obviously. Kind of almost goes without saying, but it's Alabama, it's BYU, and then it is an unbelievably large gap in the Mountain West this year. Unbelievably large gap. Nobody is even close. Nobody is even close to BYU in the Mountain West this year. There's not a dominant Boise State or San Diego State or Fresno State or Air Force or anybody. Not even close. No. And so I said all of that earlier about the schedule to say this, to establish the longest tie-in ever. Um, Utah State lost this game in a way that it will not again this season. If Utah State plays how it did against BYU, has the level of detail, of attention to detail and the game planning, has the energy has the focus, has the discipline, if it plays like that for the rest of the season, even if it's 90% of that, 80% of that, it will win every remaining game on the schedule. And it will do so by two touchdowns at least in most games. At least. It would probably have pretty close games with Air Force and Wyoming and maybe San Jose State and maybe Boise. Probably not Boise, if I'm being honest, and probably not San Jose State and maybe even not Wyoming. If Utah State plays like that for the rest of the season, it will win the Mountain West. Not just the Mountain West mountain, the whole thing. Again, it will repeat. Because that was absolutely, that was the best team in the Mountain West that I saw in the first half of that game. And the second half was not a huge departure. It was just BYU being better. Just BYU being better, straight up. They don't have to play BYU for the for the conference. And that's great news. Because it did not look like it was going to be that. It did not look like it was going to be that. But they have started to turn a corner here, I think, in a way that will it has completely changed the outlook of the season in a loss. 
in a loss. It, it's still a loss. It's a lost game. It's a game that they did not win. But they looked so much more competent. They looked so much more complete. They looked like they had a plan. I think for the second straight week, at times, they looked like I had a, they had a plan. They looked like that in the fourth quarter against UNLV, and they looked like it for the first two quarters of this game. And the plan did not fall apart in the second half because of a lack of preparation or detail or attention to detail or uh, you know scheme or any number of things. BYU is just better, and that's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen on the rest of the schedule. If Utah State goes into the Air Force game and runs in the first half like it did against BYU, has that kind of blocking, has that scheme, it will be able to do so in the second half as well because it's just as talented as Air Force is, if not more talented. These offensive lines like BYU has don't exist in the Mountain West. The defensive lines don't exist like they did, like, like they do at BYU in the Mountain West. That's the best they're going to see for the rest of the year. It's the best they're going to see. And so if the offensive line could hold up to that for a half, it should be able to hold up to everything else it sees this season for a whole game. It should, in theory. And again, this is in theory. If, 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 if improvement is linear, if development is linear, if it continues to just go up as it has the last two weeks, then obviously. But even if they can just maintain this, even if this is just closer to the team that we're actually going to see for the rest of the season... They are absolutely a contender for the Mountain West, if not the favorite in the Mountain. Because that was a very impressive first half. And a very impressive looking team in the first half. Physical, aggressive, fast, flying to the ball. Flying with the ball, making plays on offense. They look great. They look great. Absolutely, they looked great. And I think that there's a lot to be encouraged about from that on both sides of the ball. Defensively, I'll talk about only briefly. I don't think it was really the defense's fault what happened in the second half. Some of the drives, coverage could have been better. Tackling could have been better. There were a couple BYU drives that were like that, but there were also several where they got really good field position and uh, took advantage of it. And there were other times where they had really good field position and didn't take advantage of it because Utah State was able to get off the field and force a field goal that was then missed. They did that twice. Um, Defense continues to improve. Still impressed with the defense. Really good to see more Ike Larson. I thought he played extremely well. Um, I thought Hunter Reynolds was also great at safety. Um, I think he had one of his best games as a as an Aggie, and he, that's it's a high bar because he has a lot of good games. He is consistently good. Um, defensive line I thought played pretty well. Deserved probably more sacks than they got. Linebackers have looked good for two straight weeks now. Um, I'll give a specific shout-out to Kaleo Neves, who I dogged earlier in the season for for sort of lacking gap discipline. He has fixed it. Um, I don't know who to credit for that. I don't know uh, if it's just if it's just a him thing or if it's a coaching thing or whatever. I would guess that that is a, a specific coaching point that somebody else smarter than me saw the same thing that I saw and really, really worked with it, worked with him on it because he was so much better. So much better. His development has been really impressive. He was very good in this game. Very, very, very good. He was good against UNLV, too. But very, very good. Gap sound. Gap sound all the time. Did not leave his gap. He was he was committed to it. He knew his assignment. He stuck to it, and he was rewarded on several occasions for just being gap sound, which is all you need to be as a defender. Just be gap sound. Do your job. Like Will Muschamp said, just do your job. And it will be it will be fine. That is the entire. That's all you need to do on defense. Your job, just do your job, and it'll go well. And 
he did a great job of it. He did a great job of it. He there were plays where he was in coverage and he had to track a tight end on a throwback, and there was a whole bunch of stuff that was being thrown at him because it's a throwback and they're trying to get him gummed up in the works, and he still stuck with him. His eye discipline is vastly improved. He's playing really, really well. I just wanted to shout out Kaleo Nev's credit to him. He has gotten a lot better in a really short period of time. Good for him, honestly. Good for him. He He's playing really, really well right now, um, as are MJ Tafisi and uh, AJ Vongpachan. I, I, uh, I think everybody in the linebacker room is playing really well. I thought the defensive line was pretty good. Byron Vaughn's, like I mentioned, I thought played really well. Um, secondary had some busts, had some plays on the outside, but I, again, it's a talent thing. I don't know that I can blame them a ton. Uh, big, big bodied receivers there that they're not going to see a ton moving forward. They're not going to see a passing game like that moving forward. I don't think, um, defense, not a ton else to say about them, but continued improvement. thought that some of their pressure packages were really good. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from them aggressive wise. I'm liking what I'm seeing from them mentality wise. I think that they are improving. I think that the offensive is improving. And that's, I think where I'll finish it here is that Utah state is improving. You are seeing the growing pains. You are seeing the team getting better live in front of you. And that is exciting. I think it's exciting to watch. I'm excited by it. I'm having fun watching them play. I'm having fun watching them to get better. This is a, is they're kind of in a uh, in a little bit of a youth movement here, a quiet youth movement, not fully. It's hard not to be excited about some of the young guys on this team. Robert Briggs, Waylon Lapuajo, Cole Motes, uh, Nana Davis, uh, Cooper Lega. He's <laughs> not entirely young, but got two more seasons of him after this. Um, Ike Larson, before he got hurt, Sini Tuiaki, Bo Miley. Um... Max Alford, who is a captain, freshman captain, playing really well on special teams. Special teams is really good for Utah State, consistently. Really, really good. Good kicking. Good punt, good punt coverage. Good punting. Good punt returns. Good kick returns. Good punt blocking. They almost blocked another one in this game. That's great. That's that's attention to detail. That's the kind of thing like the perimeter blocking, which is a work in progress. But that the special teams is good is encouraging because it means that guys are still making an effort, that they're still taking it seriously, that they are still committed to getting better. And I think you're seeing it every week. And I will leave you with this. I think that there is a lot of excitement within the program and without the program around this upcoming game against Air Force. A lot of excitement. You get an extra practice in because of the Thursday night game. Triple option coming to town. Huge, huge game. Huge game. Probably the biggest game of the season. Um, it is going to be absolutely fascinating. Critically important game for the season for Utah State. Um, and I am so, so interested in what this football game is going to be. I think that from without, from people who are not covering the program on a day-to-day basis, watching it on a day-to-day basis, following it, it does not look like much because it's a one-in-four team against Air Force, and Air Force is the mountain favorite. But if you know, you know with regards to this team, and I think if you watched them play against BYU, you know that they are getting better. You know that they are better than their 1-4 and four record. You know that they're better even than what they have shown to this point. 
And I'm really interested to see if that development continues because if if it does, I think they're going to have something for Air Force. I think they're going to have something for them. And we'll talk about that on the preview. But stay stay tuned, I think. Stay tuned. If you can make it out to the game this weekend, I would recommend it. I think it's going to be a really cool environment. And like Blake Anderson said in his post-game press conference, they need it. They need it. Absolutely. And I, I think that if you have the means, you should do it. I think it'll be worth it. I think it'll be a, a worthwhile game to watch. And I am fascinated to do so from the sidelines.